Dear fellow redeemed, I'll start with a question. Have you ever wondered this? Why is Pontius Pilate named in both the Apostolic and the Nicene Creeds? Is it because the church is still angry at him almost 2,000 years later? I don't think so. Otherwise, Judas and Caiaphas might also be mentioned. Here's the simple answer to that wondering. The faith we hold and confess and proclaim is historic. It is rooted in true and verifiable events in real places involving real people, and Pontius Pilate is one of them. Pilate was a Roman soldier, likely stationed in France, before he entered civil service and became a government appointee. Though he was middle class, Pilate had married well, married up. His wife was Claudia Procula, a granddaughter of Caesar Augustus. But Tiberius, not Augustus, was now the Roman emperor, and he was the one who appointed Pilate to be the prefect or governor of Judea in AD 26. Pilate served for 10 years. His residence, his primary residence, was in Caesarea Maritima on the Mediterranean Sea. But official duties compelled him to travel, and Jerusalem was always a potential tinderbox, especially at Passover time. We heard the first part of this story from John 18 last Wednesday, but here's a review. After Jesus was arrested in Gethsemane, he was first interrogated by Annas. Then he was taken to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest, the son-in-law of Annas. There the trial was pursued in earnest. After this hearing, Jesus is led in front of the Sanhedrin, the council, the Jewish Supreme Court, summoned illegally at night to gather. Only after all of these through-the-night manipulations is Jesus brought to Pontius Pilate. When the religious leaders present their charges, Pilate could have refused to hear the case. This was clearly a spiritual matter, not a political issue. After all, Pilate had to deal with real criminals— Two men will receive crucifixion orders from his mouth and by his pen that morning. And then there's that ongoing, unresolved situation of a robber, a rebel, a murderer named Barabbas. At first, Pilate does refuse to be involved. He tells the Jews to use their own system of justice. But they challenge him by saying, this is a capital case. We are seeking the death penalty. Now, maybe Pontius Pilate is also curious. Maybe he's heard stories about this wandering miracle worker and parable teller from up north in Galilee. Pilate begins by interviewing Jesus in private inside his own quarters. Are you really the king of the Jews, he asks? Is this what you think? Or have others said this about me, responds Jesus. What have you done, queries Pilate. My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus replies. Ah, so you are a king. Those are your words, not mine. My purpose is to bear witness to the truth. Then we hear Pilate ask a question many still ask. What is truth? I'll come back to that later I promise. Shaking his head, Pilate steps back out to the portico and announces, I find no guilt in this Jesus. 
Then Pilate makes an offer he hopes will mollify the Jewish leaders and the murmuring mob. You know my custom at Passover. I release someone from jail. I may even commute a death sentence. Here's what I propose. I'll release this Jesus, the one you say claims to be the king of the Jews. But the crowd shouts, not this man set Barabbas free. When his efforts to placate the chief priests and their supporters fail, Pilate orders Jesus to be flogged. The soldiers turn it into a cruel game. A crowd is a crown is twisted out of thorn branches. A reed is given to him for a staff. A purple robe is draped over Jesus' bloody back. Then Pilate tries once more to release Jesus. But the Jews back him into a corner by saying, If you release this man, you are not a friend of Caesar. Here's something I learned from Paul Meyer's fine book, Pontius Pilate. This Roman governor actually wore a ring given to him by Caesar Tiberius. On it was stamped this inscription, Friend of Caesar. Now the shouts are more intense and Pilate caves. One word is spoken, Staurotheto, let him be crucified. This wouldn't be a Lenten sermon or a Lutheran sermon or a Lutheran Lenten sermon if I didn't answer these questions. Where is the good news in the story of Pontius Pilate? How is this Roman prefect a witness to Christ? Remember how John's gospel begins? It's the Christmas story without searching for a room in Bethlehem and swaddling clothes and a manger. John writes, the word became flesh. The word didn't transition into flesh, a word we hear too often these days, transitioning. The word stayed the word. God remained as he is from eternity, but he became as we are. This is the Jesus who stands before Pilate, who declares, Behold the man with flesh and blood and a heart and a flailed back and soon with spikes through his wrists and his feet. This is the Jesus who cares nothing about being a friend of Caesar, but cares fully about being a friend of sinners, your friend and mine. And at Golgotha, we behold our king enthroned on the cross, lifted high for those who are guilty and deserve to die. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world, but it is for all in this world of sin and shame and guilt. What is truth is Pilate's famous question. Here is the truth, the wonderful truth. God loves the world so much that the Father gives his only Son to suffer and to die, so that the truly guilty will be pronounced truly innocent. And Pilate is a witness to Christ when he washes his hands and declares, My hands are clean of this man's blood, because this points to the one other image of our redemption. Our souls are cleansed by this man's blood. Our hearts are made new, new and alive, beating with faith in Christ to live now in the kingdom of our Lord's grace and to live eternally in our Lord's kingdom of glory. In the name of the Father 
and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.